Coming up on Mayo Clinic Q&A. So you've heard this term tridemic. People are trying to explain is that after the holidays and the amount of travel, most people now are not wearing a mask. They're embarrassed to wear a mask. They, they're fatigued of it. The virus could care less. It will exploit that. And many people are gonna be surprised. The current triple threat is the flu, RSV or respiratory syncytial virus, and COVID-19. The flu is always common this time of year. COVID-19 spikes are not uncommon. Meanwhile, RSV is causing symptoms that can be severe for young children and immunocompromised people. Most people recover from home just fine with RSV, but there are categories, very young children, as I say, immunocompromised, the elderly. They may develop RSV pneumonia and, and in some cases develop severity such that they need hospitalization. Welcome everyone to Mayo Clinic Q&A. I'm your host, Dr. Helena Gazelka, and we're recording this podcast on Monday, November the 28th, 2022. Well, it has been quite a while since we have talked about the news of the day here on Q&A, and we have a lot to cover today. COVID-19, influenza, RSV, all of those are in the news, so let's get to it. I am pleased to have back with us today Dr. Greg Poland. Dr. Poland is an infectious disease, virology, and vaccine expert at Mayo Clinic. Welcome back, Greg. Thank you, Helena. So good to be together again. I know. I feel it has been so long. I was missing these conversations that we have. Indeed. Well, thanks for being here. All right. So, Greg, you know, I feel that now RSV has overtaken <laughs> what I'm hearing about COVID. <laughs> Tell us what's going on. Who, who's affected by this? How do we protect people? Um, yeah, great questions. I mean, and you're right, uh, Helena, uh, RSV has surged in a major way, not only in the U.S., but but globally. Uh, in fact, when you look at uh, who gets infected, anybody across the age spectrum can and does get infected. The concern is about who will tend to have more severe disease requiring hospitalization. Mm -hmm. That tends to be younger kids, particularly under six months to two years of age, people who have uh, immunocompromised, particularly chronic lung heart disease, or as I say, are immunocompromised, and then the elderly. That's where the risks are. So we want to be cognizant of that. And, uh, you know, most people recover from home just fine with RSV, but there are categories, very young children, as I say, immunocompromised, the elderly where uh, they may develop RSV pneumonia and, and in some cases develop uh, severity such that they need hospitalization. Mm -hmm. Look at our own state of Minnesota. As of last week, only two of the 144 pediatric ICU beds in the state were open and only 29 of over 400 general peds beds in the state were open. So this is a significant issue. Wow, that's incredible. And so, Greg, that must be why there's a concern about the, the emergency departments getting so full and clinics and hospitals. It's probably very difficult for um, pediatricians and those who care for children to yeah. keep up with the demand. Yeah. Well, you know, the fortunate thing with otherwise healthy kids is they are going to get better. Mm -hmm. They do well with it. It's a miserable thing to have and they're out of yeah. school. Um, but they'll recover. The, the key is if somebody is not recovering, if somebody's developing high fevers, if they're having trouble breathing, that's a reason 
for evaluation in regards to RSV. Influenza and COVID different because we have specific treatments for those. Uh, the good news though with RSV is that a number of vaccine manufacturers have developed vaccines, a couple of them through phase three trials, and very likely, uh, certainly before this time next year, I think we'll have a licensed RSV vaccine for adults, and then they'll move clinical trials down to kids. So we're definitely making progress there. Say, Greg, I saw something on the news this morning that I wanted to ask you about because I do want us to get caught up on COVID-19 as well. And it was news to me that there is still restriction on activity in China mm. uh, due to the due to COVID-19. What's going on here in the United States and what's going on around the world? Yeah, it's an interesting thing. We're, we're in this, um, what I call a wobble stage, where you look at deaths, those have decreased, but last week, 335 Americans died of COVID. Mm. And for the most part, at this point, no one should die of COVID. These are mostly elderly, immunocompromised, or people who have not been vaccinated and boosted. Uh, and, and that's a key point. However, having said that, uh, currently we have about 3,000 people a day in the United States who are hospitalized with, uh, with COVID. And when you add up those deaths, it's about 2,600 a week. Now that's about an eight to 10 fold decrease from last year at this time, and probably relates to the amount of illness-induced and vaccine-induced immunity in general across the population in the US. So at this point, if you're immunized and otherwise healthy, the issue is not that you'll die, very unlikely you'd end up on a ventilator or hospitalized. The issue is the mutational rate of this virus. Every time people get infected, spreading it to highly vulnerable people, and the considerable risk, and this is what people discount who have never experienced these things, the considerable risk of long COVID and COVID-related complications. And again, those are considerable. We would be foolish to discount those. And I will say of the hundreds and hundreds of patients I've been consulted on, not one of them thought that their life would become what it has become as a result of complications from this virus. You, you said something that, uh, it, you know, we used to talk so much about the variants yeah. and what the latest variants uh, are. What's happening with variants of COVID? So this is a very interesting situation. One of the first I've seen in my 40-year career as a, as a vaccinologist, we're no longer having single variants that completely predominate, predominate like we had alpha, and then we had beta, yeah. delta. Rather, we're seeing what's called convergent evolution, meaning a swarm of subvariants from Omicron. Mm -hmm. um, and, and several of those are very uh, grievous, I would call them. BQ1.1, BQ1, and BA5, BF7, BN7. These are variants that for all practical purposes have now evaded in full or in part past illness-induced immunity, vaccine-induced immunity, and are causing us to no longer be able to use monoclonal antibodies. So 
This is a real issue for people who can't get immunized or for people who are immunocompromised. Mm. We don't have monoclonal antibodies that can reliably protect them anymore. And this is a consequence of people not masking, people not getting boosted and getting infected over and over again. This virus is exploiting that. And so you've heard this term tridemic. What people are trying to explain is that we, and we've already seen it with RSV, but after the holidays and the amount of travel, and you know, most people now are not wearing a mask. They're embarrassed to wear a mask. They're fatigued of it. The virus could care less. It will exploit that. And many people are gonna be surprised uh, over these holiday winter time periods because very likely we'll have a surge of influenza and COVID um, related to this kind of behavior. Greg, you mentioned um, two things that I do want to ask you about. One is the latest on vaccines and the other is you mentioned monoclonal antibodies not being effective. Are we still using them? We are because there's some percentage of them that would still be susceptible. And the problem is we don't have point of care sequencing uh, such that we could rapidly determine is a monoclonal gonna help this person or not. But for example, example Evusheld, this was a monoclonal, mm-hmm. two monoclonal antibodies given to people who were immunocompromised or who couldn't get further doses. It uh, essentially no longer works. The same with all of our other monoclonal antibodies, except in a few uh, exceptions. So that's a problem. In terms of uh, uh, getting a booster, uh, it's interesting. Only 12% of people over the age of five have gotten the updated booster. Oh, really? This is this is a really problem. Isn't that surprising, it's given how me. long we've been dealing I mean, with this? <laughs> only 69% of the population has had a primary series. <laughs> I mean, it, it's it's really remarkable how people have been swayed by myths and disinformation and, and to their detriment. I mean, I, I just checked the numbers before we, we came on. It's almost impossible to imagine that one out of every 297 Americans is now dead of COVID. Wow. I'm, I'm a disease we know how to prevent. It, it's just... It, the it, statistics you just gave on the vaccination rates, really, it really yeah. does astound me. And, and, and as a result of that, if you look, 48% of the wastewater samples around the country now have moderate to high levels of COVID and 17% of them have very high levels. That always happens first, then we see a, a surge in cases, then we see a surge in hospitalizations, and then among the under or unvaccinated, we see an increase in deaths. And so many of us think that's what will happen yet again, year three. So Greg, what is going to happen with vaccines over the next year? If we have all of these variants that are, um, uh, you know, escaping our ability to, to manage all of them, what happens with vaccines? Yeah. So what the vaccines still do is they increase our protection and they do so excellently in regards to death, hospitalization, severe disease. They decrease, but do not eliminate the risk of having symptomatic illness, usually mild, asymptomatic, or at worst, moderate illness. So they're worthwhile, 
to get. Um, they, they help, but don't prevent transmission. They do decrease it somewhat. So if people are saying, well, I don't want to get it. I got sick anyway, or, you know, Aunt June got sick, yeah, but she didn't end up in the hospital. And that's what the vaccines are really built for, mm -hmm. those complications. They decrease, but don't eliminate the risk of long COVID and COVID complications. And in combination with wearing a proper mask properly, you can live your life. But people don't want to hear that message and they don't attend to it. it it's the most amazing distortion of human thinking that I've seen in relation to vaccinology in my career. It's been an interesting time, so that's for sure. Um, <laughs> so, Greg, so tell the, us other, the other part, Helena, sorry, the, the other part I wanted to say is that as a consequence, new vaccines are being developed, so-called third-generation oh. vaccines. So uh, there's already been a trial of a nasal spray vaccine, an inhaled vaccine, an oral tablet, or a, a patch. So as we get to those, I think we will, at that point, be able to dampen down COVID to something like a seasonal influenza. Well, that is great news. Yeah. Greg, tell us about the third viral member of the tridemic, influenza. Well, uh, influenza A in particular has surged early in the U.S. And very likely over the holidays, we will see this increase. This is problematic. It's going to mean that an already overburdened U.S. medical system is going to be further burdened uh, already. Try to get into an ER around the country. It's very difficult. Try to see a physician in many areas of the country. Very difficult. Um, but we're seeing influenza, about 80% of it is H3N2, the most dangerous strain of influenza, about 20% of it H1N1. Both of those are very well matched with what's in the vaccine. But again, we can't convince people to get the vaccine. Uh, a, the vaccine, like COVID vaccine, is very good at preventing hospitalization and death. It's effective, not completely, in reducing symptomatic illness. But we're really giving these vaccines to prevent complications and severe disease and hospitalization. If you look uh, um, at, at recent numbers here in the U.S., there have been so far this fall season four and a half million estimated influenza infections, 38,000 hospitalizations, and we've already had over 2,000 deaths. Already. Again, preventable. And the other thing I want to say is that, you know, for, for people who are immunocompromised, who have a lot of concomitant medical problems, or who are senior citizens, that's a situation where we want to test. Because if you have COVID, we have antiviral medication that's effective. If you have influenza A, we have different antiviral medication that's effective. If you have both and you can be co-infected, it's yet a different set of treatment that we'd, we'd bring to bear compared to, say, RSV. So it's important to protect yourself. And two of the three can be protected against with a vaccine. All three can be protected against with wearing a proper mask properly. All right. Good to know. Well, 
Greg, you and I were talking before we came on the air that we have some a little bit of sad news to share with our listeners that as we move forward into 2023, we're switching direction a little bit. And we are going to be sunsetting our Q&A podcast uh, in December of this year. But the Mayo Clinic News Network will continue to deliver um, the latest information on uh, what you need to know about healthcare news. I also am going to keep you on speed dial, Greg, because uh, <laughs> we may have to we may have to crawl out of the the uh, woodwork and and uh, update people. That's times. fine. We'll 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 be working away, <laughs> following the numbers, following the research, digesting and synthesizing it all. Greg, can you believe that you and I met doing a podcast and have become wonderful colleagues and friends as well. We have now done over a hundred of these podcasts on COVID and think of what we have seen in the last couple of years doing this. How do you reflect back about the work that um, we've been doing? A couple of things um, and I'll probably get choked up. <laughs> One has been the incredible outpouring of cards and emails that I've mm -hmm. gotten from listeners. And I know that's been true for you Mm -hmm. Alina, we often trade them uh, with each other. That's been an immense encouragement to me through 14 and 16 hour long days. Uh, the other thing is it's, it has been a, uh, a high point in my career to work with you in such desperate times. I mean, think of in 2020 and 2021, people didn't know where to turn. And we came along at the right time and, and I think did a very valuable service. Uh, I'll go to my grave thankful for the opportunity, you know, as physicians, we inherently teach and try to keep people well. But I think there are other lessons uh, to be learned here. One is that many, many people were harmed by listening to non-experts, whether they be celebrities, sports figures, politicians, you know, the next door neighbor. Mm -hmm. And I mm -hmm. think like in all things medical, talk with your doctor and look at what highly credible medical centers, particularly academic medical centers are giving um, in, in terms of recommendations. The other thing is the uh, unconquerable value of layered protection measures, you know, distancing when it's important, um, avoiding crowded indoor venues, especially during respiratory virus season wearing a proper mask, getting vaccinated, keeping your hands clean. Those are extraordinarily valuable. I know there's a lot of people are calling it COVID fatigue, but the virus doesn't care that we're fatigued. And as I said, it will exploit that. Don't let fatigue, letting your guard down, be the reason that you get infected and suffer uh, a, a complication, particularly during the holidays. People are traveling. You notice on an airplane, my wife and I get on an airplane, it's us and maybe one other couple that are wearing a mask. Yeah. And uh, they, they will suffer from that. Uh, it, it's, uh, it's really uh, un unfortunate. And the, the real issue now is, as I said, not severe infection. That, that's unlikely to happen at this point. It's the long COVID and the COVID complications that people never expected would happen such that, as you know, go to a store, there's inadequate help. There's so many people out of the workplace um, and it's affecting medical care across mm -hmm. the, the country. 
So, so those would be the main things that I would say is, as well as getting vaccines. I know there's a vaccine hesitancy, even anti-vaccine mood across the country, but these have been extraordinarily effective personal and public health measures, and we would be foolish to turn our backs on them. Greg, I like what you said earlier about um, presenting the truth. Uh, we have very much wanted to be a voice of truth uh, to the public uh, throughout the COVID-19 pandemic. And I would be remiss if I didn't uh, mention that. And that also to bring hope, uh, hope and healing is uh, the mission of Mayo Clinic. And so thank you for uh, sharing in that with me. Well, we did it together. And I'll remind you of something I showed you very early on in 2020. I received this postcard from a little girl asking, uh, will a COVID vaccine come along? And would COVID go away one day? And I'm proud to say, you know, over <laughs> two years later, for this special little girl, the answer is yes. We can we can now prevent COVID, and she can get a vaccine. I can end it any better than that, Greg. Thank you for being here today. My pleasure. Blessings on you. You as well. Once again, we thank Dr. Greg Poland for being with us today to give us our tridemic. Uh, updates. I hope that you learned something. I know that I certainly did and continue to. And we wish each of you a very wonderful day. Mayo Clinic Q&A is a production of the Mayo Clinic News Network and is available wherever you get and subscribe to your favorite podcasts. To see a list of all Mayo Clinic podcasts, visit newsnetwork.mayoclinic.org. Then click on podcasts. Thanks for listening and be well. We hope you'll offer a review of this and other episodes when the option is available. Comments and questions can also be sent to Mayo Clinic News Network at mayo.edu.